The following is brought to you by Dustin, Olin and Angela, Michael Bolick, The Joe Q Car Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, Jim Wright, Will Harris, and Craig. Politics, 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 politics. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Politics, Politics, Politics Podcast for October 28th, 2020. Guys, we are less than a week away. Can you believe it? From where we started, how it started, where we are now. Who would have believed it? Not me. Not me, I wouldn't have. I would have thought that we would have died somewhere back uh, when everybody was freaking out about the rogue forestry tweets. Passed out in a pile of pink pussy hats. Maybe somewhere around the midterms while Beto Fever was running amok. Sometime in the primaries, maybe. 15 Democrats on stage all talking wild jive to each other. Marianne Williamson stroking her orb. But no, we made it through the fire and the fog. A year that feels like a decade and now less than a week until our date with destiny. We are going to talk in this podcast to Andrew Heaton. Uh, The Lincoln Project is going to now be a media company. So that was an excuse to talk about the future of political media past the election and exactly where our cultural fault lines will be, considering they were totally redrawn after 2016. We will also have a check-in with by far the most popular guest on this program, my mom, presidential vote receiver, Gloria Young. She will join us and... I, I will say I have received at least one piece of photographic evidence to say that she has received more than just my vote in 2020. There are some people who either through protest, fandom, or out of sheer boredom are ignoring the direct orders of Gloria Young not to vote for her and are indeed doing what I will do and place my vote in my mother's name. We will talk about all that. But I got to be honest with you guys. I'm very excited to get to election day. Not only because uh, I'm kind of sick of the suspense, but also because there is going to be a shift on election day. We may or may not know the winner, But we will have 
a sea change. This will go from an analysis story to a news story. We will know things. We will have vote totals. Now, we can then draw our narratives from that, and those we will, we, we, we will analyze. But for one brief series of episodes, I'm going to guess the first three or four episodes after the, the election, there'll be a lot of us pouring through things. News. We don't even agree on what is news right now. The idea of identifying news is something that is inherently political. The Atlantic, my least favorite outlet during this 2020 cycle. I I don't know if I had a strong opinion on The Atlantic. In fact, if you were to come back to me a year ago and say, Justin, what are your thoughts on The Atlantic? I'd be like, I don't know. They're like, uh, like slightly less pretentious. New Yorker, right? Like, uh, uh, the New Yorker is a super rich person who is probably secretly racist. And the Atlantic is like a cool rich person who, you know, got really good weed before everybody had really good weed when it was legal. That would be how I would describe the Atlantic. A slightly cooler New Yorker. Boy, am I not a fan of what they have done over the last three months. I think that they are the parody of a a liberal blanket that simultaneously comforts and terrifies those that read it. I mean, it is smearing and fear-mongering at the highest degree. Big, big, big critic of the Atlantic. But they ran a thing today about how uh, Donald Trump is skating. Oh, so many scandals have broken over the past two weeks. And it's because the media believes that Biden is going to win that they're not covering it. They're not covering, for example, Donald Trump's Chinese bank account. Ah, the Chinese bank account. This was brought up during the debate, by the way. And just so you know my discipline in this point, I'm going to leave behind the idea that that is yet another media article where the media can talk about what the media loves the best, the media. And so it is a media article critiquing media judgment on politics. But let's just take out that Chinese bank account thing. Oh, the Chinese bank account. Why isn't the Chinese bank account a story? Well, to Republicans, they're like, well, it wasn't a secret bank account. He was a business guy. Like many business people, he had a bank account in China. Bob Iger probably has a bank account in China. He does business in China. So why is this a story? It's not even a secret bank account. He had it. He He doesn't have it anymore. That's that. The idea of picking that out is politically motivated. We can't agree on the news. Similarly with the Hunter Biden laptop. Oh, this laptop, it changes everything. Look, all the things that we said about the uh, uh, Burisma, 
uh, this is from the Republican perspective. All the things that we said about this, that, and the other. This is this is uh, it. This is the smoking gun. The entire impeachment from earlier this year is now falling apart because of this laptop. Not so fast, my friends, say Democrats. We have no idea where this came from. This could be Russian disinformation, not even a news story. In fact, less than a news story. Deliberate hoax and misinformation. That's what this is. I am here just to say that we can't agree on what is news. Now, we will be able to agree that people are voting. We will be able to agree that there will be a winner declared in various states. And then we will be able to declare that there will be a president-elect of the United States of America. The process that we get to that will be bumpy. And a lot of people may not be happy. And there might be conspiracy theories along the way. But at least we will be able to agree on those basic facts. People are voting. And eventually there will be winners in the States. And I'm very, very, very much looking forward to talking about that. Indeed, I'm so excited to talk about that, that the flipping from analysis to news is the subject of our But First! Are you able to discern what this huge turnout means for either party? Do we know who's actually turning out? Yeah, there's some good evidence to say that, by and large, it's Democrats that are voting early. Oh, yeah. We got results, baby. Early results. Confusing results. Results that might not tell us anything of real substance, but... Much like in my youth, while I was slowly waiting for a picture to download on a 28.8 baud modem, we can see some pixels. We can see some pixels. Something's coming out. We just need to know exactly what it is. The vast majority of uh, what I'm going to talk about for uh, this first segment is from... And I want to give them a plug because it's the man that you heard in the intro. Electionproject.github.io. It is the work of Michael McDonald, who I'm sure went minute by minute by minute in his project. I apologize. If Michael, if you heard this, like you have permission to punch me in the face. I'm sure that you get that every time. I would love it if you loved Michael McDonald, though. Can I just now, and Michael McDonald, the singer, have you met Michael McDonald, the professor at the University of Florida? You can follow him at Elect Project because I would like you to know him as well. It would make me happy if 2020 ended with both of them being friends. I'll be holding on. So let's reset for a second. We knew when the pandemic hit that we were going to get insane early voting. We knew that. We knew that from the jump. Uh, We knew that uh, uh, the allure of voting early in a polling place was going to be a big deal. The idea of dropping off a ballot was going to be a big deal. Uh, The idea of mailing in ballots was was going to be a big deal. And indeed, 
the Democrats have, over the last few cycles, started to understand that their mail-in advantage was something that they had to take into account. Let's remember uh, uh, McSally versus Cinema, the 2018 Arizona midterm Senate race. That was a McSally win on election night, and yet it was Kirsten Cinema getting sworn in uh, to that seat. That's because there were a lot of Arizonan Democrats who mailed in their ballots and they just take longer to count, or at least they took longer to count in that specific example. So we knew that these things were going to happen, and they indeed are. So with less than a week until Election Day, let's check in on exactly how big this has been. Well, to use something that we have said in the past about some polling advantages, the numbers are beefy. In fact, compared to the entire vote in 2016, Early voting, as of my recording at 9.44 in the morning, Wednesday, October 28th, is over half. Half, Eddie, 53.1% of the vote has already come in. It's already been registered. So that means we're gonna likely get a higher uh, vote count nationally, probably. You know, we still got another week of early voting to go. And then we'll have whatever we have on election day. Now, will we see a weak election day? Possibly. Although that would have some electoral consequences. Let's go ahead and see some of the breakdown of how people are voting and by what methods. First, the big numbers. And let me add the caveat here. These are only for states that report party registration data. Those are Arizona, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Florida, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, North Carolina, New England, New Jersey, New Mexico, Nevada, Uh, Oklahoma, Oregon, Pennsylvania, and South Dakota. So all those states combined, there have been 16,937,582 Democratic votes cast. That is 47.7% Of the total. How about Republicans? 10,417,525. That is 29.3%. But I want you to take a look at this number here. 7,969,917 for no party affiliation. Now, 
I don't know what to make of that number because I don't know whether or not that would fall into different uh, buckets in different states. But that is quite a wild card there. You know, if you combine, let's imagine that no party affiliation were to all vote Republicans, that would mean that more Republicans have voted early than Democrats. And that would be, that would very much change the game because Democrats are expected to have a tremendous advantage in early voting. Now, of course, if they all voted Democrat, then this is a total, total, uh, maybe an insurmountable advantage for Democrats. Let's look at returned mail-in ballots. Democrats have sent back damn near 14 million ballots. Republicans have sent back about half, 7 million. No party affiliation has sent back 6,245,000. So very close. But let me point this out for you. Here are in-person early votes. In-person early votes. Democrats have cast just over 3 million in-person early votes. Republicans have cast 3,414,000. If that gives you a sense of what will happen on election day, then that would suggest, as we are expecting, that Republicans will have a greater showing of physically going to the polls. And who knows exactly how that shakes out when it comes to some of these Midwestern states that also are experiencing COVID spikes. One note on those numbers. Among the states that do report in-person votes by party registration, California is not among them. And as we speak right now, California has registered near 8 million votes. As I speak to you, that is second only to Texas. So, One might presume that if California were included in there, that would drive up the numbers to the Democrats. But I'm glad we talked about California because as much as the Golden State loves to talk about itself in very, very high regard, as a Floridian, I know that their opinion, in my opinion, this election is effectively moot. They ain't a swing state. They're in the blue bucket, and that's where they're going to stay. So what do you say we dive deep into the numbers that will decide this race? Shall we start with the greatest state in the union? Sorry for party Whenever I play that drop, I just imagine like all manner of Floridians from like past and present are all just like, they just kick in the door of this staid political establishment. It's just like a conga line with glow sticks. Foam is coming in behind them. It's just Jimmy Buffett and 
Lawton Childs and, and Pitbull and John Cicada's there and Hulk Hogan. In fact, most wrestlers, because most wrestlers live in Tampa, like they're all rolling out and uh, 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 the, 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 the Miami Hurricanes Ibis, like he's there. <laughs> Mark Brunel, the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and everyone's just like having a good time and they're pouring Jaeger shots at each other's mouths. That's what I imagine whenever Sorry for Party Rockin' starts playing. All right, let's get into the numbers. As I've told you a million times, when Democrats win in Florida, they win because they blow out the three southeastern counties in Florida. Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach. This is where the Democrats live. Indeed, if you combine those three counties with Hillsborough County, that's where Tampa is, and Orange County, that's where Orlando is, then you get half of Hillary Clinton's vote total in Florida. And she lost by a point, a point, 1.2%, right? Florida's always tight. Florida's always close. And that is where the, the, the Democrats live. So let's take a look at those counties. Miami-Dade County, 700,000 people have already voted. Broward County, that's where I'm from, incidentally. Uh, damn near 600,000 people have already voted. And in Palm Beach County, 446,000 people have already voted. Now, presuming that all those people were Democrats you have numbers that are higher than the vote totals that Hillary Clinton got. Now, they're not, right? But just to give you a sense of what we are talking about, all three of those counties have already surpassed the 50% mark of their registered voter total. So we have very high early voting in those particular areas. Hillsborough County, again, that's Tampa, 420,000 votes. That's 46.2% of their registered voters. Orange County, 354,000. That's 42% of their registered voters. Now, let's take a look at some of the counties that are in that I-4 corridor. So Tampa to Daytona from the west coast of Florida to the east coast of Florida with Orlando being the belt buckle there in the middle, that Trump won in 2016. Pinellas County, this is also in the Tampa area, Tampa-St. Pete area, uh, 328,000 returned votes already. That is 47.2% of their registered vote totals. Let's swing on over to the other side of the state, Brevard County, uh, 200. And 10,000 votes already. That is 47% of their fully registered vote total. So again, we're seeing this across the state. This is like, we are going to be over half of the amount of people that are registered to vote. will have already voted by the time election day rolls around. The question is, who has done it and how many more are left? All told in Florida, 
it is a fairly minor edge for the Democrats. 2,595,000 Republicans have voted to 2,841,000 Democrats. That's 41.1% for the Democrats, 37.5% of Republicans. But if you're expecting a massive turnout of Republicans on Election Day, those aren't quite the numbers that you want to see if you're Biden. At least that's what we're assuming because we have no idea. This is still totally gobbledygook. Again, pixels, pixels, pixels. Slowly, slowly, slowly the picture might start emerging. But like, you know, is that is that a toe or is that something else? We'd have no idea. We have no idea right now. It is slowly coming to our vision. Now, I don't know any other states as well as I know Florida in terms of the uh, uh, breakdown of counties, so we're going to speed run through some of these. North Carolina, come on and raise off, take your shirt off, twirl it around your head like a helicopter. Uh, That's what the Democrats are doing right now. Based on party registration, they already have 1,423,000 early votes that have been counted. That is good enough for 39 percent of those that have been returned thus far republicans 1,122,000 that's good for 30 percent but look at this beefy boy no party affiliation just north of 1 million early votes cast that is good enough for 29.4 percent of those returned So who are the independents flipping for in North Carolina? We find that out on election night. All right, we don't have a ton of breakdown on this, but there are early voting stats for Nevada. And they are not super encouraging so far for Biden. Democrats have voted uh, to the tune of 312,000, Republicans 261,000. That is a seven-point edge for the Democrats. But again, you have a pretty hefty no-party affiliation or minor party, which is uh, currently clocking into the tune of 169,000. That's 22% of those returns so far. So a lead, but maybe not the lead that you would like to see. Nevada does not do a lot of other breakdowns in terms of uh, where they're coming from and which counties, blah, blah, blah. In 2016, Hillary Clinton's 539,000 votes beat Donald Trump's 512,000 votes in Nevada, meaning that You know, both candidates are either close or over halfway there. Whoa, whoa. Living on a prayer. One last state that I want to talk about. Because it has become the new fascination du jour amongst everybody that is covering this election, and that is Texas. Democrats want to know, is it for real? Can the impossible be possible for the first time since Jimmy Carter? Can Texas turn blue? 
without the Democrats being a segregationist party? Well, in the Lone Star State, the stars at night are big and bright, and so are their early voting statistics. As of right now, eight million people have already early voted, and that is better than California, which has more people, and better than Florida, wherein everybody is used to having their vote count. In 2016, just shy of 9 million people voted in the entire election. The old adage goes that everything is bigger in Texas, and that will certainly hold true for the vote count this year. Less than a week until the election, which means we are still joined by Andrew Heaton. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I want to have this conversation about the Lincoln Project. Okay. What do you know about the Lincoln Project before we get into the news about the Lincoln Project? Uh, I've had I've had some friends that have have worked on the Lincoln Project in some capacity, not not in a top billing way, but but have worked in it because I'm I'm kind of I, I am I am familiar with the Republicans in exile. I'm friends with some of the folks over at the Bulwark, uh, which is sort of the successor to to the uh, the Weekly Standard. Um, they got scuttled when they went hard anti-Trump. Uh, and I, I also follow the dispatch. I really like Jonah Goldberg, who I, I, mean, I feel like the dispatch, which is uh, Goldberg and David French, is also this Republicans in exile. Yeah. So I don't know the Lincoln Project as well. What I what I know is that whereas the dispatch and the bulwark are, you know, Republican exile newspapers, in effect. Yeah. Uh, the, the Lincoln Project is a a political action committee or or, or something to that effect that has been running. Uh, hey, Republicans. You shouldn't vote for Trump. Here's why ads and tend to make a much bigger splash. Yes. So, yeah, uh, effectively, they are a campaign without a candidate or, or rather their candidate is they're, Joe they're Biden. An, oh, wait, I, I just sort of assumed that they were just an anti-candidate campaign, that they were like more concerned with taking down Trump than they were about promoting a Democrat. You In know, and, and I guess for them as strategists, the, the answer would then be, yeah. Well, sometimes you also have to sell the other side yeah. if you want to take down the people that that you that you want. And so, yes, there have been a lot of like, damn, this this is like, it feels like I see this retweet. Oh, internet speak where such and such yeah, like slams such and such. Oh, John Oliver tears apart Ben yeah. Shapiro reams. Yeah. <laughs> They're Shapiro? always slamming and reaming, and then, and then you watch the you watch the clips like in context, and it's like. Guy addresses crowd of college students. One of them is Starkey. He talks to them over like an hour long yeah. period. Do you know that Ben Shapiro is ripped? Apparently, no, I did not know that. I've never thought about him without a shirt before. Neither this is the first time I. in my and life then, this has no, ever happened. And then I heard through somebody that would know that he's apparently like ripped, and it's because all he does is wake up, go to temple, go to the gym, do his show, go to sleep. Like that, that's, that's all he does. And apparently it it doesn't, you know, he, I've never met him before, but he strikes me as somebody who can probably harness a singular focus to what he's interested in and, and bring like a wall of personal energy and or Adderall to focus on that task. Yeah. Uh, And so it does not surprise me that he would, he would have the fortitude to, uh, to go to the gym on a daily basis. I wish I had a good Shapiro. I feel like, I feel like that's like the next, apparently the only decent impressions I do are of conservative mouthpieces. 
Like I can do a good Rush Limbaugh, yeah. and I can do a good. But he's but like like Sh- Shapiro, Alex you Jones. just you just speak really quickly and clipped and kind of higher voice. Like, hello, today we're going to talk about the Democrats, and we're going to talk about like because he's like very fast and he has that like like yeah. very upper register, it's right? Like, so like you know, and, then, and then I guess the the impression is sorry, I have no problem ahead. with the Pope. Kamala Harris is is fine, but uh, the, the the Pope bringing up uh, civil unions is not like like it's like that's that's it, to me my it's like very it's already operating at one point five speed. Yeah, and it's also at a higher register. I feel like also he's like is he metaphor guy? Is he like 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 okay? So let's oh say god, I hope so at- because we can make a cottage industry if he is exactly yeah. like like on my sci-fi podcast, Jennings and I just did the road by Corbett McCarthy, and uh-huh. we bookended the entire thing by we gave each other prompts to write as Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> so he gave me like uh, I gave him we're out of milk. He gave me I stubbed my toe, and so we spent like you know like a minute and a yeah. half of like his toe was a tuning fork for pain <laughs> rendered by heathen gods on a mound of indifference. Like you could like when, when people have those quirks, they're much easier to parody. Oh, totally, totally. And then you can fit the jokes in there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you can either dial it up or down. Anyway, uh, uh, Ben Shapiro is not a part of the Lincoln Project. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He is making his money from other people. Namely conservatives. And that really, to me, is what sets the Lincoln Project apart, is that they are effectively raising money, which they have raised gobs of in this cycle, from liberals who are excited that Republicans don't like Trump. Like, and are, and are turning their ire Makes towards sense. Trump, right? And frankly, smart move because I think that a lot of a lot of progressives lack the ability to speak anything other than progressive. Um, so it, it actually, I think, is a smart move on theirs to outsource that to somebody that can speak conservative. So uh, uh, they are, according to Axios, uh, Ron Steslow, Rick Wilson, George Conway, Jennifer Horn, Reed Galen, Mike Madrid, and Steve Schmidt. Uh, you might have heard Rick Wilson is probably the uh, uh, Rick Wilson, George Conway, probably the most George Conway I know of. Yeah, that he is. He is the most uh, uh, visible of all of them because like, like of his I, marriage the, the, to Kellyanne. The, the Conway family, I feel like, has done this wonderful Game of Thrones maneuver where he is super anti-Trump. She is like the only like person on his entire staff besides Mike Pence that hasn't been murdered in the dead of night. Uh, and, and they could both just split the difference, whatever they want. Like this is the cynic in me. I don't know either of them. But yeah. The cynic in me is like smart play for the Conway family where he can go hard for the Republican and exiles, anti-Trump group, never Trumper. She can stay with the, you know, we're, we're, we're fixing it from the inside Trumper crowd. And, and they could just like, like however that lands, they, they're going to be fine. Well, apparently it landed with them both having to quit their jobs because their daughter was trying to emancipate herself legally. Wait, did she quit? Like, did, yeah. Oh, so she's not on the staff oh, and anymore. He, and he quit the link or resigned temporarily from the Lincoln project. So he's listed here, but, uh, and, I, and you're, you're telling me being in, in the, the, the bullseye of American media and political gossip in the beltway had some sort of untowards effect on their daughter. Uh, well, uh, turns out she was her mother and father's daughter as, uh, they are both very, very quick to find the, uh, on air light. And she found the on air light on TikTok. And okay. made a bunch, made her opinions particularly known God, on we, TikTok we, we, and shredded her mom. Justin, and, we will be dead by that young lady's hand. Oh, <laughs> like God. She will, yeah. If this person's a, like the daughter of the Conways and she's already like at age 16, figured out how to dominate. Like by the time she's 50, she'll be running a network. So apparently what happened with her is that she threatened to emancipate herself because of how chaotic her. Yeah. And she's like, I think 
mid to late teens. So she's okay. at about the point where she is like rebelling against her parents no matter what. Uh, but yeah, no. So that's, that's, that's where that led. So it was, it was less that's, before we, we went live, we were talking about this and I was like, well, it's kind of the opposite of Carville and Matlin because right. like when I was growing up, they that had a was functional the example yeah. of like, Oh, like they'll scream at each other on CNN and then leave together because they know that this is part of the game. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, uh, boy, not, uh, not so much, not so much. Wait, now. So, so are the Conways then just like trying really hard to be apolitical at the moment? Like they're playing hungry, hungry hippos and like, Hey, you want to watch planet earth? Like they're just avoiding all politics in the hopes of like keeping the family together. I have no idea. Okay. God, no. I mean, cause Kelly and Conway still tweets. I, I don't know if George Conway has tweeted, uh, in, in a while, but, uh, Obviously, they're on either sides of this thing, and they uh, they don't have a lot of. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what lines you can have because even like at Carville and Matlin, I don't know if Carville and Matlin could have. Well, I don't know what the difference is between. All right, our job is from seven o'clock to seven fifteen on this block of, you know, CNN. We're going to yell at each other and I'm going to attack you on trade and you're going to attack me on uh, foreign policy and then we're going to be done. That seems very compartmentalizable because then you can go get dinner, right? right? If it's constant on social media and it's constant and somebody's always writing a story about you and somebody's always asking because media has exploded. So now there's so many more outlets and now half of them are – Asking for like, oh, well, what did you think? So your your husband tweets, Donald Trump is the worst scumbag piece of crap on earth. And now you're getting immediate replies from other journalists saying, what do you think about what your husband said? Or she says something and now he's getting stuff like that. Like, I, I don't know if, if, if that's tenable unless you are just totally. See, I, I, I feel like me being a moderate neoliberal independent would mean that I would be less likely to be thrust into these situations if I were in a relationship, but also am not allowed to date in the current political climate anyway. So it yeah. doesn't matter. There, like, there's no one like they like the, maybe the Chinese will capture me and some other moderate neoliberal and like do a forced breeding program to to bring back like, the, the, <laughs> like dying the, the disappearing purple yeah. vote. Uh, but but more likely I will flee the country or or you know yeah whatever live yeah. in a basement. So then yeah, I mean I think. Uh, Politics. If politics affects all romance on some level, mm-hmm. then uh, uh, certainly trying to raise young children and and both be very much in the spotlight because either really wanted to seed the idea of of being out there and and MSNBC was very excited to put George Conway on television, whatever he wanted, because it was delicious television to show. Look, even the husband of a Trump staffer despises Trump. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know whether or not he's still a part of the Lincoln Project, but here's the news peg. We finally get to 10 minutes into the segment. Yeah. The Lincoln Project will not just be going away after the election. They are spinning in to a media business, as sources have told Axios. The group is in talks with the United Talent Agency, UTA, which means they've already made a deal Mm and they're talking about it, uh, to help build out Lincoln Media and weighing offers from different television studios, podcast networks, and book publishers. Uh, Lincoln's plan is to start a new trend of activists developing massive audiences for political influence that are then able to spin into commercial media uh, success, just like Obama staffers launched Crooked Media 
back in 2016. Wait, so just I just so I'm clear on this. Yeah, there's a, a group of center right anti-Trumpers who Democrats don't hate and wish death, who are looking to create a media company. Yeah, cool. Just good to know. Okay, one caveat: don't hate yet. Yes, because you know what I have seen yet. Because I'll tell you what the utility of the Lincoln Project will go away very quickly, whether or not Trump wins or loses, depending on whether or not they just want to become liberal advocacy. Like, at a certain point, you can't be Mitt Romney. Like, you can't be the guy that is palatable, but also pro-life, but also low tax. You could be David Frum. You could be a professional former Republican. Uh, yes. That like, which is like literally, I'm sure he's a great guy, but whenever I read a David Frum article, I already know what's going to be. And he's, he's a columnist at the Washington Post yeah. now. And every article is, uh, I was a Republican for 30 years and now they're all evil. And like, like it's just, it's all, it's like he's, he's playing like, like paint by numbers where it's just the new variable. And I'm like, and I, I get it. He has that role, but that's, it's a very one note thing for him. So here is my, my question to you. And this is larger than the Lincoln Project. Where, well, whither the never Trumpers if Trump loses on Tuesday? Like, what is the role? Because I'll, I'll tell you this. Liberals will have no use for them if they then want to talk about Republican things or mm-hmm. want to advocate for mm-hmm. Republican uh, candidates. Like, that. The, the only way that you stay... In the good graces. And even then you're going to get get a leery eye cast on you is if you are now a dyed in the wool, super progressive. Yeah. Um, so, a- as you know, I am drinking buddies with a number of miscreants in the Beltway area. And that includes uh, that includes uh, uh, several anti-Trumpers that are uh, former Hill staffers and, uh, and, and media scions and that kind of thing. And uh, one of the concerns that I have heard voiced to me from this particular group is that they don't have traction anywhere. That's, this is their fear when they're drinking, by yeah. the way. I don't know yeah. how, like, I, like, like game face tie on. I don't know what they'd say, but when they're when they're when they're drinking, um, or actually when they're hanging out with me, sure. Um, there's this, there is a like, oh, we've we've screwed ourselves out of clout. Uh, of we are, you know, no one likes traitors. The Republican Party is not going to like us when we come back. When Trump's gone, there's a fear that they will not be able to come back in and go, okay, he's gone. Our problem has been resolved with you. Yeah. That, that it will be, well, where were you during 20, 2020? Um, and meanwhile, will not be welcomed into the Democratic media sphere. I'm not entirely, I, I think that that's overstated. Uh, I, I, I I would totally do that myself. Uh, if, if I were in their position, I would yeah. project my fears onto it. That would be my fear. I don't think that's going to happen for two reasons. I think that, um, first of all, I think that, Republican leadership and Republican media in particular are far more anti-Trump than they let on publicly. I, I think that the, the if you're just looking at the composition of the Senate and the House, there's a ton of Republicans that have just offered their testicles to Donald Trump, but not yes. their heart to him. And they've decided that they're going to do this because they, they don't want to get screwed. They don't want to get Cory Bo- or uh, they don't want to get uh, Bob Corkard. They don't want to get Jeff Flaked, uh, but they don't like him. And so I, I, I think that when when Trump leaves, the, the never Trumpers will not be 
roundly castigated by this group that decided to go with the flow, right? Um, the, the other thing is I, I think that depending on how the election goes, they can go back to being the vanguard. Right now, they are they're operating as the Republican exile party. They're like Charles de Gaulle, like hanging out yeah. in, in England, and like Churchill lets them operate out of his broom closet. And like, <laughs> like oh, yes, it is the president of France, haha. And like, but like, they, you know, they'll trot them out to like, like official functions, but otherwise they're doing nothing, right? That's, that's where they're at. They're, they're, they're the Republicans in exile. They're like Michael Steele's in the same boat, uh, the former head of the GOP. Yeah. Um, uh, it, and uh, Hopefully he's more careful with his credit card these days. <laughs> I, I think, however, let's say that and this is what you and I are going to talk about on my show yeah. uh, next week is, you know, what are the consequences of Trump losing long term for the Republican Party? What are the consequences of Biden losing long term for the Democratic Party? If Trump gets a shellacking and the Republicans get a shellacking and it's because it's down ballot from Trump and just the Republican Party gets hammered, my thesis is that the Republicans will go, oh, this was this weird aberration that we had. And we need to now dump this because Trump is we made a deal with the devil and now he's not coming through. And now we've got to drop this like horrible personality inflammation and go back to what works. Right. If that's the case, then I think that the never Trumpers can can come back in because then they can play like Wait, so, right, so, so, then so, they so, can be Billy Braun to bring but, up another World War Two reference. They can be Billy Braun and be like, my hands are clear. Sure. I come back to West Germany. But, 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 but let me be clear. You're talking about coming back home to talk to Republicans. Yes. So that means that the Lincoln Project specifically, if we're going to come back to this news peg, they've spent a lot of time nominally talking to never Trumpers, but really talking to liberals who really hate Trump because yeah. they share one thing, a burning hot hatred for President Trump. Now they're not going to talk to those people anymore because the difference between the bulwark and the dispatch and the Lincoln Project is one those two things don't they don't make attack ads but they could they very well could just as much as as these guys can get into the media game it's that both the bulwark and the dispatch are still talking to republicans that don't like trump they're still talking about you know pro life issues they're talking about taxes they're talking about all these things that were dyed in the wool bedrock jeb bush talking points right. from 2016 Presumed Republican orthodoxy as of four years ago. And this is something that, that I'll, I'll say for your show. I, in hindsight, looking back at 2016, four years later, I just have a question on exactly whether or not that was going to die and Trump was just the guy that had the, the will to swing the axe. That after McCain goes down, after Romney goes down, and, and you have run two candidates that were very much Olive branch to the other side. These are the re cuddly Republicans. Right. This, this isn't, you know, the, the hardcore evangelical. This, this is what Mitt Romney. Massachusetts having, governor Mitt Massachusetts Romney. Massachusetts moderate, who, by the way, we're not even going to make you weirded out by the Mormon thing. He's yeah. barely going <laughs> to even mention that. that he doesn't drink beer, but he probably doesn't believe the stuff about COBOL. He's not going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, uh, and they eat crap mm -hmm. granted to obama who's a dynamic campaigner and i do think that sometimes we lose the fact that like you know it's hard to run for president and one out of two wins or loses but we tend to ascribe yeah. you know the, the entirety of humanity to it but i wonder where the appetite for republican politics is and whether or not there is i think there's coming back for the bulwark 
I think there's coming back for uh, uh, the dispatch. I think that both of those, and I'm not saying, I'm not questioning their morals or anything, but like, let's say somebody came out and had Trump's exact same agenda, but just wasn't. Wasn't a dick. Yeah, yeah. Just wasn't like, you know, making period jokes about Megyn Kelly. Right. Uh, and they were like, finally, that America first guy that I can get behind. Uh, I think that makes sense. I don't know where the Lincoln Project goes unless they're like, nope, we're Democrats now. And and our and our new role is to destroy the Republican Party and burn it down no matter who is okay, at the head of it. So what you're describing right there sounds yeah. fantastic to me. Because this is <laughs> this is what I like. So for for the record, but for anybody that's like like Heaton hates Republicans, I was I was raised by honorable, thoughtful Republicans. And there while I am not a Republican and I'm not a conservative. There are elements to the Republican Party that I really respect. Uh, I, I think the Republicans, like historically, have a like a real fixation on proceduralism, which doesn't get highlighted a lot, but I think is a bulwark against tyranny and is great. Um, there's there's uh, at least a rhetorical commitment to fiscal prudence, if not in action, actually never in action. But there are elements that I, I think are, are very important, and that has become so dwarfed by this cult of personality, re-microwave nationalism, uh, barely, barely disguised, well, no, op open xenophobia, if not barely disguised racism, right? All of these things that I find very disturbing that are ascendant within the Republican Party. The Republican Party's always been a, an alliance of multiple parties, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's always been, there's the Mitt Romney, you know, New England moderates that are like, we like gays in our country club, right? Yeah. That's always been a, like, that's the part that, I like. That that used to run the party. Yes, they used pre, to run the party. There's 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 the Barry the Goldwater, 16, yeah. then Ron Paul, then Rand Paul libertarians. I like them too. Then there's the like populist evangelical Pat Buchanan wing. And uh, and and like in the '90s, they were kind of like, "All right, we'll just we'll let them talk about this stuff. They're gonna vote." Uh, and and then there was like also this kind of nascent populist, like mm, kind of questionable, and, and like antisocial thing. Those groups have now pushed out the old establishment moderates and the libertarians. Like they like the, the good parts of the Republican Party have been in retreat for four years now. And so I, for the good parts of it, I want the party to die. So that the good embers of it, the things that I respect, the honorable, intelligent aspects of the Republican Party that are a benefit of the Republic can come back. And, and it has to be starved. And if in the process, on top of that, the Republicans that are talking about fiscal prudence sneak into the Democratic Party and like create a wing of the Democratic Party well, now, I can identify now, with. Now, Great. Now, now you're at alienating the audience <laughs> level of science fiction. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely not going to happen. I guess but the, the, the thing is, is that you see this far more on a continuum than than I do. I I see this as you either are going to continue to destroy the Republican Party forever, and that means that you are not like Omar on the wire. You are part of one of the other rival gangs, right? You're 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 with Stringer's gang, or you're with uh, uh Marlowe's gang. Like this is not. There is no. Oh, I'm just going to take down this element of the Republican party. We're just going to run Republican attack ads because the Lincoln project are running pro Joe Biden ads. Like, so it's like, are the Lincoln project willing to go all in for Medicare for all down the road? Not now, but like down the road, are they willing to go all in for expanding the court or packing the court, whatever you want to call it? Like 
that's the role that they're going to need to fill if they want to keep this audience that they have. Yeah, which is, as you're telling me, a, a decidedly progressive audience or a liberal audience. It's like they, even though their their target yeah. is let Republicans, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me let me be clear because I'll get yelled at by the progressives. The way that the left looks at it is the libs, the liberals. These are your Kamala Harris's and Joe Biden's. The progressives are your Bernie Sanders and your AOC's. Right, okay. If you like the the Pam in the office meme are looking at those sets of people and saying these are the same picture, then understand that on the left, right. they see very yeah, stark yeah, yeah. differences between right. that. So this is far more for the like uh, uh, liberal, oh my God, did you see what Trevor Noah said last night? Of uh, of mainstream democratic uh uh yes queen liberals okay. like yeah. that's that's who the Lincoln Project is for okay and ultimately they're either going to serve that master or they're gonna fall out of favor and and that's why it's like when when I'm when I'm seeing it being described here as like oh it's the right's crooked media I don't think that that's the case. I think that they are directly in competition with crooked media because they're both going after uh, liberal voters for whom either you trust the Obama staffers or you trust the former Republicans who were so disgusted with Trump that now they have been set upon this war path for, uh, uh, you know, forever. But that also means like you are now carrying water for the other side. This is a mm. diametrically opposite switch. Or uh, I, I think that nobody hears from the Lincoln Project in a year or they, they break up within a year. So I've got two positions on this. I've got the cynic who's almost certainly correct. And I've got the idealist who also hosts a sci-fi podcast. Okay. Um, the idealist, which I think we can chortle at, is maybe we'll go back to thinking it's positive to get information you don't already agree with. Uh, that has not been my experience the last few years. I like I, I am very grateful to my Patreon audience for for uh, supporting the show, but I'm well aware that I would be making a lot more money if I like just threw in the towel and went hardcore partisan. Yeah, uh, like like I would easily double or triple my income within a year if I did that, uh, because right now like it people enjoy living in echo chambers and particularly as we get close to the election oh, pe people are almost we're in, like we're we're in bad country just like yeah. an angry that you would even like like how dare you bring up counterpoints right um not i'm not i'm not talking about my audience however the the nation as a whole is at that state yeah i would hopefully someday we'll go back to a position of like you know i listen to a couple of different publications like i listen to this and i listen to this because i want to get both sides of it the lincoln project occupying that center right role would be useful for that uh, i'll say that has not been the arc of media the last 10 years no. and so it would be it would be a, a major current although i will say that almost happened with Trump in 2016. So remember, I was working at Fox Business in yeah. 2016, and I'm watching all of this unfold, and I'm watching it on a daily basis. I'm really like, I'm really plugged into the news cycle at that time. In 2016, Trump was not predicted to win, by many accounts didn't think he would win, and is also in talks about forming his own media group because he's done so well during, uh, during the 2016 in media. How much of that chatter did you hear directly, and how much do you believe it? Uh, I, I here here's what I think. I don't think Donald Trump thought he was going to win. Okay. I I think that that surprised him, and that he was positioning himself to create a media empire, 
with with uh, with um, uh, Steve Bannon or whoever, but it would have been the populist right. And weirdly, had that happened, it would have forced Fox to tack the other way. Fox would have had to have gone center-right in order to have a market niche because Trump would have been able to take all the extreme right-wingers with him if he'd done that. Uh, so I mean, Fox maybe, weirdly maybe. might have been like well, no, no, a step here, closer here. Let me, to let NPR just, in this, I've, in this I've world. Heard, I've heard the Trump TV thing repeated. And by the way, we're, we're, we're back because every old 2016 news story is back yes, again. Now there's, another, repeated, yeah. Yeah, now yeah, there's yeah. another story about how Kushner is setting up a, a, a media vector for Trump or whatever. Did you hear that directly, or was that just kind of scuttlebutt all around scuttlebutt. New York? It's yeah. all, like I like Roger Ailes did not invite me into the office, and then after <laughs> I gave him sexual favors, told me his inside <laughs> job. Well, yeah, I mean, because like I've I've gotten I've heard various versions of like, oh, there was an audition, or oh, this is a more of a money thing, or like certain people knew, or maybe it was like a reach out to Hannity or Bill O'Reilly or someone like that that they would jump. I guess Bill O'Reilly was already out yeah. at that point. Or maybe he was. He, he was out at that he point. He was out yeah. at that point, yeah. Oh, wait, no, hold on. Wait. Um, Did he go out after Trump or before Trump? I think he went out before Trump. I'm trying to think of like. No, 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 because he was in the Me Too stuff, right? Yeah, he got. Yeah, he was part of the Me Too thing. And yeah. so that was after Trump. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, Trump got a lot of dudes fired. Like, it was after Trump when women were like, uh uh-uh. uh, all right, enough of this. Um, yeah, so uh, anyway, uh, I wonder. Part of me thinks, media-wise, that the idea, the the political media landscape that we know is fundamentally different and never coming back for this reason. We're nerds who were into politics when it was a nerdy thing to follow. It's not a nerdy thing to follow anymore. It is the only monoculture we have. And so if that's the case... It's, it's, yes, there is a lane for, let's say, in other big tent kind of media enterprises, there is a lane for really, really smart basketball coverage. But the people that get the biggest ratings yeah. are LeBron versus MJ. There, Who you got? There will be a, there will Marino be. Reno Montana. Stop being a, a coward. You need to answer my question. It's a debate. Like, that yeah. is. What it is, and, and I don't think that that's, that for us, we we are more of a like, I don't know, like we have to read the Sunday Times and see what well, everybody no, and, says and, and, on Meet and the Press. The, 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 the reason that, that our model is always going to be long-tailed is that I am intentionally suppressing what I believe are the baser elements of my being. Yeah. I think tribalism's stupid. Yeah. And if you're enthralled by it, you're a moron. We all have it, but I, I choose to not grab that in the same way that I allow my sex drive to operate without having sex in the street because I'm a goddamn human being and I rise above my dumbass animal instincts. And there's all these wits that are just barreling over into it going, this feels really good. I like the street. I like, I, I like eating anywhere. I'm going to, I'm going to just no holds bar, like, like full tribal. Let's murder everybody and paint our faces with blood. I, and I am not going to do that. And I'm aware that it, I'm aware that it's, it's the minority. Uh, but, uh, uh, excuse me. I, I got away from that for a second. Uh, no, it's fine. However, no, no, you, however got, you got, you got, you got fired up be, because it is I'm glad we aren't in the street be, because it is me suppressing what is, I believe a baser instinct and has to be suppressed by every generation. 
you're always going to be easier to, to, uh, to appeal to that. It's always going to be easier to make pornography than eroticism. It's always going to be easier to make fast food than a home-cooked meal. So, like, like that, I'm aware of that. This is the life I've chosen. Yeah. It's a lonely, monkish political life. Someone has to goddamn do it to keep the fire alive. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, like, for that reason, yes, we will probably always be overshadowed by the partisan tribalistic juggernauts. Oh, we will, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we're just war profiteers. Like we're we're just here to sell loose arms so we can you know drink for free at the canteen. Like you know, what? No, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna like I feel more like I'm like the Catholic Church of World War Two. <laughs> like I still have like a tomato tomato. <laughs> we all look at ourselves as the protagonist in our own story. I guess I'm just more of an edge lord. Uh, all right, thank you so much, Eaton. A reminder that you can hear me. On Andrew Heaton's program, and we did some good content that's going to go live both this week and next week by following him at The Political Orphanage and uh, uh, getting on his Patreon. That is patreon.com slash Andrew Heaton. Now, for the last several weeks, I've continued to give you guys the hard sell. Oh, for this amount of money, you'd get all the bonus podcasts leading up to the election day. And I don't really have that sell for you right now. Because today, this podcast right now is my last payday before election day. Then this will be it. However, I will tell you, it's going to be a good time to keep it. It's going to be a good time to keep it. We have a lot of bonus content. Heaton's still going to be in Oakland at least for the next uh, week after the election is done. So there will be more bonus stuff there. I will still be on his show. And I don't think this is going to be wrapped up particularly tidy. We're going to have some fallout. And... More specifically, guys, this election is going to leave a corpse that we will be studying for the next 10 years. Most elections look like each other, like various mutations. And so you can cut them up and stack them up next to each other and be like, oh, look, there's like trends that are happening. And we might see trends here. We might see trends accelerated. We might see trends stunted. We might see new mutations that we have never seen in electoral politics in America before. So if you want all that, then you might as well get on the Patreon now. TakePoliticsSeriously.com In all seriousness, thank you guys for supporting. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It is, this has been the greatest professional year of my life, and you guys are the reason why. So as we lead into our $3 Club episode on Thursday, our main feed episode on Friday, our $3 Club episode on Monday, and then I'm going to do my final battle hem of the 2020 election on Tuesday. Just know that every second I put into this show is for you guys, and I'm grateful for every second that you take out of your day 
to listen to it and tweet about it and tell your friends about it. Guys, thank you. TakePoliticsSeriously.com Less than a week to go before the election, which means we need one final check-in with my mom, Gloria Young. Before we start, though, I want to read her something. So uh, when you you sign out on Patreon, if you cancel your Patreon, Mom, you, uh, you have the ability to leave an exit feedback. And uh, this was one. It's anonymous. I don't know when it was, but this was September 19th. So I don't know what was happening on September 19th. But a, uh, okay. a $3 club patron is no longer. And they write the mm. following. Uh, F word, this a-hole. Disgusting. Your mother should be ashamed. Uh, and so because <laughs> I am the uh, a prestigious illustrious journalist that I am, I now go straight to the horse's mouth uh, with my own mother, Gloria <laughs> Young. Are you indeed ashamed of me? I am not ashamed of you in any way. And as a matter of fact, I could not be more proud. Okay. Well, uh, uh, I will so say that this, that this that person thinks that you clear. should, you should be ashamed. So maybe like he was not predicting it. He was just, it would be better for this man or woman or or non-binary uh, to if you uh, if you were ashamed of me. So just keep that in the back of your mind as life continues to progress. That if you'd ever like to be ashamed of me, that it would please this anonymous person. <laughs> okay. All right. I will definitely I will definitely keep that in mind. Presidential vote receiver Gloria Young on the line with us. I, I think you are the most popular guest that we have ever had on this show. When I, whenever I do my surveys, whenever I do my surveys at the top is Gloria young. Everybody loves you. People that agree with you, (laughs) adore you. People that disagree with you still find you uh, hilarious. So uh, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Always love talking to my son. Now we and have checked in. Listeners. We have checked in with you throughout this entire process. We were, yeah. Uh, I think the first time that I sat down and talked to you was right after the midterms, uh, and and uh, you know everything that had happened in 2018 happened in 2018, and now all eyes were on 2020. You were a big. We we watched you fall in love with Mayor Pete Buttigieg in, Mayor in the Pope primaries. Mayor Pete Buttigieg, that's right. Uh, that's and, right. And then even for for a moment, I remember you uh, being okay with Bernie. You you came around on Bernie when it looked like he was making major inroads. But but then we're very happy to find a home in the Biden camp, right? Well, I didn't have much choice, but yeah. yes, I am I am definitely at this point in the Biden camp. But remember, you had actually you were grilling me when way back when when there were like 25 uh people in you know throwing their hat in the ring for the Democratic nomination. So, you know, you've been grilling me for quite a while. 
Yes. No, pestering you is something that I've probably been doing longer than any other skill that I have. <laughs> like just bothering my mom is something that I am I am extraordinarily good at. And now that I can do it for both fun and profit, it is uh really my life's it's work. It's even better. Oh my god. It's 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 my dream. It's it's something that I've literally <laughs> dreamed of since I was a child. Uh Okay. So so now, all right, so so Biden's here, and to refresh for anybody, I know we've got a lot of new listeners. If you've never heard an interview with my mom, uh, you are a very valuable demographic, as we are now less than a week away from the general election. You are yes. a, uh, a Florida voter in a very important swing county swing in, state. Yep. in Florida, swing state and swing county, because yep. Yep. In, yep. in Florida— we grew up in Broward County. That is, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you you have to. I, I went back and looked at 2016, and really, the Hillary Clinton probably lost because she lost support in Palm Beach. And if if you are mm. if you are a Democrat, you have to maximize all the liberal votes you can get in Miami, in Broward. And in Palm Beach. And those are three counties, yeah. for those of you who are not aware, that are on the southeastern coast of Florida that are stacked one on top of the other. Miami at the bottom, Broward right. in the middle, Palm Beach at the top. Uh, and highly populated. Densely populated, right? Yep. The other mass- massive counties are in the center of the state. And so it's what you will hear mm-hmm. on election night as the I-4 corridor. And that yep. is uh, Hillsborough and Pinellas County. On the west coast of Florida, that's Tampa. On the east Tampa coast, it is it right. is Daytona, and then in the center is uh, uh, Orlando. That is like kind of the belt buckle. Uh, Orange County, Orange yep. County, and that's exactly. where you are is Orange County. Uh, yes. So you Correct. are obviously a a Democrat leaning voter. Uh, yes. uh, and, and you are very, very dialed in on this election. So I will ask you now, have you voted already? Yes, I did. Last how, Friday. How did you vote? I, uh, I had requested a mail-in ballot, but, um, both myself and my significant other had requested mail-in ballots, but. I knew that with everything that I had been hearing and reading that I wanted to ultimately vote in person. So I did not open, neither of us opened our mail-in ballots. We went last Friday morning to early voting at a place literally five minutes down the road from where we live. We got there at nine o'clock in the morning. There was only one person in front of us. We were taken in right away. We turned in our mail-in ballots. I watched them mark them as canceled and she opened it. And then she also marked it as canceled on the ballot itself. So not only on the envelope, but on the ballot itself. And then we were given our regular ballots to vote, not provisional ballots, which was one of my concerns from the get go about ordering a mail-in ballot. And, is that is um, that if if you surrendered it that you would get a provisional ballot and that would be counted only in case of things going haywire and not on the first count? Well, if I had showed up at the poll at the early voting location and they checked my name and they saw that I had requested a mail-in ballot but I did not have it with me to surrender, 
they would have given me at that point a provisional ballot. So that was why it was very important to me that I took my mail-in ballot unopened yeah, because I didn't want to take any chances of them saying, well, you opened it. We have to give you a provisional ballot. I didn't want to take that chance. So I was adamant to both uh, my significant other and myself that we were going to carry those ballots unopened so that there would be no question whatsoever so that they could give us regular ballots. And, you know, we voted and turned them in. Of course, this is the old-fashioned way. There was no no push-throughs, no electronic voting. It was like color in the little, the little circle yep. like we used to for tests in high school. And, um, and, you know, and then you run it through the scanning machine and hope to God it gets counted properly. And of course, because you are disgusted by the evidence found on Hunter Biden's laptop, you voted for Donald Trump for a second term, right? <laughs> oh, that's a really funny joke, Justin Robert Young. Uh, no, I did not. I, did I know, not I know. You're Donald just you're Trump. always on Twitter, you know, screaming about you know MAGA, <laughs> CAG, uh, uh, lock him up. Hunt, you're 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 the uh, one. You're just you keep sending me Hunter Biden's sex tape, and I'm like, Mom, it's really it's inappropriate. It's revenge porn. Uh, uh, but uh, we 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 know uh, that you are solidly on the Trump chain. Just kidding. Okay, so yeah, you obviously you have been yeah. a, a a a very vocal opponent of Donald Trump since really he ran four years ago, right? Yes, I have been so, and I continue to be so a a very vocal opponent. You you want to know what? Here's something that I I never asked you because I know that that you and and your significant other are uh, uh, fans of some forms of reality television. Did you guys ever get into The Apprentice? Were you ever fans? Never. Okay. Never. 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 I mean, honestly, even as a, a celebrity, I I never much cared for him. Um, he just kind of seemed. Um, he seemed phony to me, and I, I, I just didn't. I never really liked him. So no, I was not a fan. So you didn't. You didn't get caught up in that particular niche of television. Not, not at all. Not at all. Nope. All right. So let's then pull out a little bit and and examine your surroundings. Uh, mm-hmm. Joe Biden will have to do very well in Orange County. He'll have to do very well in Hillsborough. He'll have to do yep. very well in Brevard. He'll have to do very well in the areas that we grew up in, in or I was mm-hmm. raised, that you in raised South me Florida. in Miami and Broward and Palm Beach. Uh, yep. What is your sense? And, and compare it to 2016, if you can. Uh, well, you know, I wish that I could say with some sort of certainty that I think Biden has it wrapped up, but I don't. Um, I I do feel really good about the the turnout. I feel like people are going out of their way and they don't even care if they have to wait on endless lines, that people are going out of their way to vote. And I I feel like if that is the case, there must be a lot of passion behind what is driving people. 
And, you know, the big question is, where is that passion? Are they passionate for change from what we've had for the last four years? Or are they passionate to keep what we have? And, you know, this is this is the, the giant unknown. Um, I, I, I was, you know, we recently did a road trip from Orlando up to the Atlanta area. And then from there we went up to, um, <laughs> North Carolina. Can I, can I tell for the people this, and I'll cut this out if you don't want me to say it, but this is how Floridian my mom is. She's on this road trip going to all these various places. And then I'm talking to somebody else in the family that is that, that tells me, oh, have you seen this hurricane is coming through this area where your mom is road tripping? And I and I call my mom. I called. No, you texted me. I texted you. Texted you. Sorry. You. I texted you and I was like, hey, mom, are you aware that you're going to drive through a hurricane? That There's a hurricane coming through. <laughs> and you were so. Like I, 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 I'm paraphrasing what you said, but I think your initial response was, "Oh, I guess it'll be rainy." Like there was no, no. worry, there was no like, let me uh, change no. the plans. You were getting to where you were gonna go, and you're like, "I assume there'll be a garage there. We'll just have to drive fast." No, no, no. But I mean, it was all blown out of proportion based upon the relative who called you. But the bottom line was. But by the way, let me just say that is that is the most Floridian way to explain a hurricane. Is that no? It was uh, whatever. Come on, it was a category three. You could sleep through a category three. Who cares? Wake me when it gets up to gale force winds. Understand, as a Floridian, especially one that lived on the coast in South Florida for so many years, when a hurricane was coming and it was bearing down on you on the coast of South Florida. You had to pay attention. Yeah. Now, where I was, and at the time, it was already the remnants of that storm. Yeah. It was way inland and had been inland for we- uh, days already. I think it was still technically was, a hurricane, Mom. Was, it was still technically was a hurricane. On, I was on vacation. <laughs> I didn't look at the news. I didn't look at the news, I have to admit. I didn't look at the news. Yeah. I didn't care. Yeah. I wanted to escape from worry and fear and, you know, wringing and, my and, hands. And that's why you would something. say, sorry for party rocking. That was just, that was just your motto. You were just going to go about your business. <laughs> and the bottom line was it really didn't affect us at all. It we didn't. had a little bit of bad weather the next day when we took off, uh, when we drove south out of North Carolina. And we drove out of it in an hour, and it was done. Hurricanes so are – I, I, I will back my mom's play on this. Hurricanes are usually overblown. The reason why Floridians are blasé about hurricanes is because they affect you realistically once every seven years. Like, you know, once every seven years, you got to go find the insurance paperwork or whatever. And, and you want you want to take – precautions but uh uh you know by and large they peter out or they turn north or they're not as bad as you know uh, uh that you think they're going to be so i don't i don't blame you for driving through yeah i mean the the last time in 2017 just before we before we moved out of south florida and we moved up to orlando remember there was like a cat five 
threatened hurricane. I think it was Irma. Yeah. And I remember you and Ashley both calling me and like, you have to get out. You have to leave. You have to evacuate. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> so. Well, that one, that yeah, one was, it, that was a, that was a really weird one because it was coming north from the Caribbean islands. So like Cuba and Hispaniola, which is Dominican Republic and uh -huh. Haiti. And so it's like, that wasn't just like normally when it's coming from the Atlantic, like from the coast of Africa, you know, look, it's going to jog north or south. But the the, the yeah, fact that yeah, like the idea that it's going to plinko it, right on your head is is pretty remote. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, if it was if it's a cat five sure. coming north through uh, uh, through like all of the populated Only areas, that's that's a bad away. idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no question about it. There was there was cause for concern, and I eventually, for that particular storm, did drive to Orlando. Where, where it actually in, wound up hitting a, a worse. Three, I did evacuate. Uh, it, I, a three-hour drive to Orlando took me seven and a half hours oh. that morning. So yeah, it was it was a nightmare. But at any rate, that we're way off course sure. now with with uh, just like Irma weather stories. Yeah. Uh, all right, so anyway. you were you were on you were on vacation, and I, I presume driving through uh, rural Georgia, Tennessee, yes, so and the Carolinas was, was a different story. That was my point. Northern Florida and much of rural Georgia, you did not see one Biden sign anywhere. It was Trump, Trump, Trump all the way. And as a matter of fact. Our friends where we stayed, um, which is in Marietta, uh, Atlanta, uh, Marietta, Georgia, which is just a suburb of yeah. Atlanta, uh, that's a little a, bit the, north the of Atlanta. Atlanta metro area. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, throughout her neighborhood, which is a very middle class, nice neighborhood, up middle to upscale neighborhood, there were Trump flags, there were Trump uh, lawn signs, there were there were Trump everywhere and very little Biden anywhere in that whole stretch that we drove until we got to North Carolina and North Carolina. Finally, I started to see some, some Biden signs. Uh, so I found no, that no, no, Marietta, Marietta is, is something that is, I believe colloquially referred to in Atlanta. There is something called OTP or, inside or outside the perimeter because there's a highway that literally oh, just circles yep. uh, Atlanta yep. inside the perimeter, a cool blue center, like a, like a very rare steak outside right. the perimeter. It gets real red, it's real red. fast. And, and like Roswell yep. and Marietta are more categorized in that, in that area. But look, uh, Georgia, like Florida is a state that is close it is it is a very yeah. very very close state and that's why turnout in those democratic areas are important for Biden's success should he flip those states and win and if he flips states like Absolutely. Georgia and Florida that's a wrap we're probably going to know election night if he did that and if he did that means that this is this is not going to be particularly close right 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 and so that that's really the key and that's what i um I'm hoping for that that this tremendous voter turnout 
will be accurately counted, which is one of my very big concerns, um, and that there will be such a tremendous, um, you know, favoritism and voting for the Biden camp that, you know, they will be able to call some of those really key states early. But I don't think that's going to happen in Florida. Oh, it'll happen. I think Florida is going to be. I think Florida is going to be one of those um, to the last, you know, maybe three, four weeks later before no. we really know. No, no, Florida. No, no. no, because there's so much early voting and Florida is allowed to not only uh, register, but count votes before Election Day. Some some states okay. are not like that. Well, Pennsylvania that is not know. like that. Pennsylvania is not like that. Wisconsin's not like that. That's where the big long right. delays will happen if they happen. But there's a likelihood that. As soon as the polls close, because remember, Florida is a two time zone state, so it won't be yes. Eastern time that that the polls close. It'll be central time that the polls central close in Florida um, that yeah. we're probably going to know a gigantic chunk of that vote immediately. Indeed, as I speak with you right now, mom, there is forty nine point two percent of the vote that is already uh, re- in. In right, six million nine hundred twenty-one thousand three hundred fifty-eight votes. And listeners, uh, uh, forgive me because I've already told you these earlier in the podcast. Do you are you aware of the breakdown between Democrats and Republicans? No. So right now, and this is keep in mind, Democrats are really counting on building up an early lead in this early voting because the presumption mm-hmm. is that the Republicans are going to come out on election day. On election day, yeah. yes, I've heard that. Yeah, uh, right now it is two million eight hundred forty-one thousand for the Democrats. Forty-one point one percent of the votes that have come in. The Republicans mm-hmm. have two million five hundred ninety-five thousand. Uh, that mm-hmm. is thirty-seven point five percent of the vote. Now there is yeah. a no party. That's pretty aff- close. Yes, very close. There is a no party affiliation vote mm-hmm. of 1,395,000, which who knows where that goes, but uh, uh we will we will see. We will uh mm-hmm. we we will see how uh uh it goes. I would caution anybody. You're going to drive yourself nuts looking at these early voting numbers because they're so incomplete that you're yeah. it's, it's nuts. But right now, yeah. there's not a gigantic lead for Democrats that would that would maybe you know give them a bit of a blanket. Right, right. Well, that's exactly that. That pretty much typifies exactly what I would expect from this state. Um, no question about it, because up in the Panhandle, Northern Florida, um, some of these other rural areas of Florida, I see going totally Trump. So that those numbers sound exactly like what I would expect at this point. Um, have you had any personal interactions living your day to day life in Florida that have broken down on political lines? Have you honked at anybody because they had a rival bumper sticker? Have you been honked at or flipped <laughs> off? Like, give me, give me, give me the boots on the ground reaction. Are you getting into fights? Uh, throwing hands? No. But honestly, every time I see someone with a Trump bumper sticker, I'm like, really? Really? (laughs) What are you thinking? 
Um, but no, I, you know me, I'm non-confrontational and I, I don't, um, I don't get into those conversations. And yeah. uh, honestly, I've even completely stopped looking at Facebook Good um, idea. until the election is well over because you should keep it going. I, yeah, I found myself, um, I found myself getting into little tit for tats with people that, you know, friends and family that I really care about over this political stuff. And I, I just don't, I don't want that to, you know, to sever ties with people that I know and love and I've been friends with for years. Um, so it's, um, it's, it's just so polarizing. It's, it's so concerning because really I, I just, I don't understand why everybody doesn't want the same thing. And that is to just live in a free country where we can elect politicians who actually represent the people's interests and they work together in some way. I mean, I know I'm just like, I feel like this is, oh, what a crazy idea you have, but this is their job. You know, work together for the people. Find ways to find common ground, pass laws that will help everyone. I, I'm just a hopeless romantic, I guess you could well, say. Well, I, I, I think just, you know the, the big I thing always that always want the best. The big thing that for, I always say the, the on the show is that that's not going to happen until we start blaming people within our own party for not getting that done. As long as, and, and as as long as we always I, fall for oh I didn't do that so this is for anybody that uh uh you know let's let's say for example that uh you know Bill Nelson had won over Rick Scott and is uh, Scott. is is your senator right so right now there are two right. uh, uh Republican senators but you are not a Republican, two Republican but let's senators for yeah, Florida and a Republican governor but yep. let's imagine let's imagine that uh, Nelson had won it was a very close race and. Like, if Nelson had not gotten something done, what he would do is go on MSNBC and say, well, these Republicans, am I right? And as long as you would be mad at the Republicans, then he doesn't have to do anything, ever. Same with the Republicans. The Republicans can go on Fox News and say, these Democrats, am I right? And all the Republicans will be mad at the Democrats. Until we start roasting our own, then there's never going to be a a reason for them to work across the aisle. Like the fact that they didn't get COVID stuff done is disgusting. It's gross. It's it is, it is a dereliction it's, of duty. All right. right, uh, right uh, that's, right. that's all the time we have mom. Uh, this okay. will probably be okay. the last time that we hear from you before election day. Do you have any kind of motherly wisdom that you would like to pass along to our audience? Many of whom are very excited to write in Gloria Young for president. Well, my my biggest piece of advice is I am incredibly flattered that people would be willing to write in my vote, but please don't waste your vote. Please don't waste your vote on me. On on um, Biden or Trump. I just want to clarify what you're saying is please don't waste your vote on Biden or Trump. Vote for me. Is that what you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, vote for Gloria Young 2020. (laughs) A a vote for Biden, a vote for Trump is a waste. Vote only right in Gloria Young. Is that, I just want to be clear. That's what you're saying? 
No. Okay. No voting for Biden or Trump. Okay. Got you. Uh, uh, thank you so much, Mom. I love you. I love you too. Bye. And that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, by the way, we didn't cover this a lot because I don't know exactly how many of these hearings we're going to have. We're going to have a lot of them between the antitrust and and people just being mad at social media. But there was a 230, Section 230, Safe Harbor uh, congressional hearing today. And all I have to say is what the hell's going on with Jack Dorsey? Jack Dorsey's beard is... Like, I'm worried about him. I'm genuinely worried about him. I live close to him. I might bring him soup. Like, he just looks like he's falling apart. He looks like he's slowly dying. He's got this long beard, and he looks gaunt. Uh, I, Man. Like, I know what happens when pressure... Like, I feel pressure now. I can't imagine the pressure that's on Jack Dorsey, and he's not wearing it well. He's just not. He's not wearing it well. Go Google Jack Dorsey. Uh, And while you do that, I'm going to tell you the people that bring you this show. The Titanic $10 tier. You can join their ranks by heading on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Lord Generic Frenchman, Dr. G. Jacob Wilson, Dallas Danger Taylor, Zombie Doc, Gazer Beam, Utah Jimmy Montana, Captain Bunzo, Cujo, Tally, Richard, Memory Pie, App, Crooky McCrookface, Justin Ryan, Egan, D. Laser, Matt, who called from Labor and Delivery, Starfleet for Biden, Magnolia Delta Credit Card Processor, Katie, vote for Joe Biden 2020, Evan Malone, Rob, vote for Gloria Young 2020, Archie, Darren, Daily Tech News Show, Adam, Joe, David, Jacob, DL, Stephen, Kyle, Chad, Miranda, Jenny, Robert, Paul, the most conscientious nonpartisan listeners. Glenn Wolfbrand, Julie Scoop, Dustin, David, Just Another Pilot, Middle Aged, Mike, The Gen, MacBook Pro, Leon, Vote for Trump 2020, Martin, Government Unfiltered, Neil, Frozen Summers, Jay Pink, Andrew, Matthew, and James. Would you like your name on the last episode of this show before the election? Would you like your name on the first show after the election? Well, you can get both if right now you head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com and sign up at the $10 level. You'd get both of them for the price of one because I only charge for the Wednesday episode. So for $10, you'd have your name on both. Wouldn't that be fun? Till next time. I want to remind you that you can follow me at Justin R. Young. You can sign up for my free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com and make sure you head on over to twitch.tv slash Justin R. Young to sign up for my Twitch channel. It's free. You just follow it. You can get it on the app. You can watch it on TV. But that's where we will be doing our full election night coverage less than a week from today. This is your old pal Justin Robert Young letting you know that some shows talk about politics, even more talk about politics, and there are still upstarts 
that dare speak of politics, but this is the only show that talks about Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.